Hi guys, uh, Pastor Greg Corcoran here from Battlefield Baptist Church. Uh, pray that this sermon is a blessing, an encouragement, and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord. Additionally, I just wanted to say that if we here at Battlefield can ever be a blessing to you, please don't hesitate to contact us. And the best way to do that is through our website at battlefieldbaptist.org. Again, I pray this sermon blesses you, encourages you, and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with his word, and more in love with people. Amen, amen. What a song. I enjoyed that last song. Amen. A thousand hallelujahs. You going to be there? I'm going to be there singing. I hope you'll be there. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. If you have your Bible, I hope that you do. Hey, this is the place that you can bring your Bible and I won't get mad at you. Oh, some of you got it. All right. You can bring your Bible to church as we gather for worship. Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, it is good to see... Uh, Bill and Charlotte Reynolds out there. Yeah, it's good to see them. All these old, older battlefield folks, remember Bill and Charlotte? You can give them a clap. Say hello to Bill and Charlotte. It's good to see y'all. And uh, pray the, that you are doing well there in Florida and uh, that you're enjoying your time down there. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to continue our series on faith for today. Drop down and look with me this morning, beginning in verse number 8. Verse number eight, notice what the word of God says. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you for the songs that we have sung. God, the opportunity that we've been able already to gather, to pray, and to worship your holy name. And what a day that will be when we see you face to face. And we continue to praise you with a thousand hallelujahs. Lord, I pray now that you will have your will in your way as we continue to look at what you have for us in your word today, God, that we might be strengthened, that we might be encouraged, uh, God, to live by faith for today. God, I pray that if there's somebody in this room or somebody watching that doesn't know Christ as their Savior just yet, and maybe they're searching, they're, they're, they're not real sure what's what's happening in their life right now. God, I pray that through your word and through your spirit, you would clearly speak to them and draw them unto yourself where they might find forgiveness of sin and everlasting life. Lord, I pray for us, those who are believers, God, that we might be reminded of the greatness of your glory and the opportunity that we have to live by faith and not by sight. God, I pray now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight because you are and will always be my strength and my redeemer. God, I love you and I praise you for what you'll do in the next few moments of time. For it's in the precious and powerful name of your son, Jesus, that we pray and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Well, it is good to be in the Lord's house. And if you've been with us, uh, this is uh, week number four of 
this new series, kind of, it's not new anymore, uh, Faith for Today. And, and I've said each week that we, it's great to have faith yesterday, and it, it's cool to talk about having faith tomorrow, but we need faith for today. Right now, here and now, in 2023, as we see what's going on, we need faith for today. And over the past few weeks, if you notice verse number one, we've been reminded that faith is it's the substance, it's, it's the substance or assurance of things hoped for in the evidence, and we said that word evidence means conviction, so we have the assurance and the conviction uh, of things hoped for and the things that are not seen. And so in other words, what we've been saying over and over, and maybe you're getting tired after four weeks of me saying it, faith actually believes what God has revealed well, let me try again. I know it's raining outside. Faith actually believes what God has revealed, and it trusts what God has promised. Listen, I don't know about you, but I believe what God says in his word. I believe what he has revealed through his creation, through his general and his special revelation. And I don't know about you, but I trust by faith that one day I will see him face to face. Yes, one day the cares of this world are going to pass away because I will be with him forevermore. Oh, I'll be singing those a thousand hallelujahs. I think they'll rack up into the millions as we stand before the throne of God's grace. Oh, listen, we learned about this faith and what it is, and we talked about the faith of Abel. Remember, Abel's faith taught us the importance of listening to God. And then last week, we looked at the faith of Enoch, and the faith of Enoch actually remind us, uh, uh, talked about and pinpointed the importance of walking, walking with God. Listen, our faith is going to be active if it is a real faith. And so today, we're looking at the faith of Abraham, and it highlights Here's an unpopular world in a word in 2023. Abraham's faith actually highlights the importance of obeying God. And everybody just checked out. Everybody said, "Bruh, uh, I'm going to head out a little early. Hit the restaurant a little early because you just said the word obey. Can I tell you, the faith of Abraham literally highlights the fact that faith obeys God. And as we get started, it's important to understand that Abraham obeyed God when he was called. Now, you don't have to turn there, but you can if you want. In Genesis chapter 12, kind of a familiar passage of Scripture where God calls Abraham. Notice what it says in verse number 1 and following. It says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, this is his name before he calls him Abraham, he says, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show you, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. But notice the beginning of verse number four. It says, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. So guess what? God says it. That for Abram or Abraham settled it. And so guess what? He packed up and left. Now you got to understand Abraham was a wealthy dude. He had been blessed immeasurably. He had all kind of money. I mean, listen, there was nothing that he couldn't have bought during that time. He had it all. And God says, guess what? Here's what I need you to do. I need you to stop. I need you to follow me. And guess what? I'm not going to tell you where you're going. Right. Right, God. 
And some of us may think that Abraham must have been called by God because he was someone special. Or maybe he loved God more than others or that he served and worshiped God more than others. But that's not the case. You say, where do you get that from? Well, in Joshua chapter 24, notice this. Uh, Joshua, right before his death, Joshua, he gathers all the tribes of Israel together. And in verse number two of Joshua 24, notice what he says. Joshua said unto all the people, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nacor. And they served, watch it, they served who? They served other gods. They served the same gods that are being served in 2023 by people who do not serve the creator God of this universe. A couple of us are awake. I knew, I knew. Babe, I knew. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. I'm going to have a little sidebar conversation with my wife for a second. I knew that when I said, oh, yeah, we're going to talk about faith, obeys, I was like, man, they're going to check out after 30 seconds. They're not going to want to swallow this pill. But I got news for you. This is a pill that we all need to swallow. We all need to be reminded that faith obeys God. That's what it does. This is exactly what Abraham did. Listen, Abraham's heritage was not one of loving God, was not one of serving God. His heritage was not one of worshiping God. His heritage was one of, as Joshua says for us, it was one of serving other gods, lowercase g. But one day, one day there was a day when the one and the only, the one true God and creator of the universe got a hold of Abraham's heart. And he said, guess what? Here's what I need you to do. I need you to understand. I need you to believe what I'm about to reveal to you. I need you to trust what I'm about ready to promise you. But you got to have faith. And so guess what? Abraham, by faith, he journeyed. Listen, God appeared to Abraham just as he did to Adam and Eve in the garden. And you say, where do you get that? Well, you have to compare Scripture with Scripture. If you go over to Acts chapter 7, Stephen the martyr is giving his testimony in Acts chapter 7. And notice what he says in verse 2. He says, men and brethren and fathers hearken, the God of glory, watch it, appeared unto Abraham. He not only spoke to him, he appeared, is what the word of God says. He appeared unto Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Charon. So God appears to Abraham, he speaks to Abraham, and as a result, his life was never the same. Can somebody give a testimony of that? God speaks to you, changes your life, and your life's never the same. Can I tell you, I wasn't always a preacher of the gospel. I used to preach my own gospel. Anybody ever been there, done that? Have you ever preached the gospel of me, myself, and I? Been there, done that. Could write a few chapters of a book. And let's just be honest. Shh, I won't tell anybody because this is a hospital. I'm going to guess that we still, on occasion, like to preach the gospel of me, myself, and I. That's why we have to be reminded the faith, faith obeys God doesn't obey what we want all the time. Notice again, back in our opening text, how Abraham responded. In verse number 8, Hebrews chapter, chapter 11, the Bible says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, he obeyed. So here's what we see right away. If you're a note taker, here it is, number one. Abraham's faith resulted in obedience. 
His faith resulted in obedience. Look at verse 8 again. It says, Abraham, by faith, Abraham dropped down. He, by faith, obeyed. That's what he did. He hears what God tells him to do, and he obeys. And this word, actually, these words actually point us to this connection between faith and obedience. But it also, in this very short verse, it actually shows us not only the connection between faith and obedience, but it shows us actually how how obedience takes place. How does it take place? By faith. Oh, that was real, real high, wasn't it? That was real lofty. How does obedience take place? By faith. He, he did what God said he should do. In a nutshell, Abraham believed what God had revealed and he trusted what God had promised. His obedience, which was immediate, by the way, was the result of his faith. And so grasping this relationship between faith and obedience, it's vitally important for you and I if we hope to have and exercise a real faith for today. Dr. Adrian Rogers, pastor of the longtime pastor of the Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee years ago, here's what he said. He said, everything we truly believe, this is great. He says, everything we truly believe, we actually obey. Everything else is just religious talk. Now let that sink in for a second like to take a little pregnant pause here. Everything we truly believe, we obey. So if God's word says go into all the world and preach the gospel, we either believe that or we don't. If God's word says that God so loved the world and gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life, we either believe that or we don't, right? And so he said everything we truly believe, we obey, and everything else is just religious talk. He's absolutely right. But here's the thing. Faith is not, watch this, faith is not obedience and obedience is not faith. Watch this, don't get confused. Faith is not obedience and obedience is not faith. For example, I think there's a big danger in confusing the two. And there's some, some illustrations that I heard the other day. I'll, I'll share just real briefly with you. There's a danger in having what's known as, as like a mixing bowl mentality, right? When it comes to this idea of faith and obedience. And if we're not careful, what we do is we confuse the matter by mixing them. Let's just say, for instance, today that my wife... I'm making a plea here, so stay with me. My wife is going to make a cake. She's going to make brownies. She's going to make cookies. And she's shaking her head, absolutely not. Oh, shucks. Oh, shucks. I tried. Let's say we're making a cake, cookies, brownies, right? We're going to get all the ingredients together. For a cake, we're going to get the flour, we're going to get the butter, we're going to get the eggs, we're going to get the sugar, we're going to get the vanilla extract, whatever, whatever lemon extract, whatever it is that we need to make this cake. We're going to set out all the ingredients. But here's what I know. When we put them all together and we click on, when I was a kid we had mixers like this, but we turn on the mixer, guess what happens? The sugar disappears. The eggs disappear. The, the flour, whatever else, the, the extracts, they all disappear, don't they, Debbie, the, the cake maker, right? They all disappear, and so what happens is there's a big mixing of all the ingredients. And if we're not careful, that's exactly what we do with faith and obedience. But here's the deal, our personal obedience. Let's just be honest, because I can tell by your excitement on the word obedience. We struggle with obedience, don't we? Can somebody say, I struggle with obedience? Thank you for being honest. 
we struggle with obedience. And here's the problem. If we, if we mix faith and obedience together, if we know that we confuse, if we know that we are not always obedient as we should be, what begins to happen is we begin to think that our faith is less than complete. Our obedience is less than complete, and therefore we have a danger of mixing them together and saying or suggesting that our faith is incomplete. But verse 8 says, by faith, Abraham obeyed. It wasn't together. They're separate things. They're separate entities. By faith, he obeyed. Therefore, whenever we struggle with this mixing bowl mentality, we need to remember, as verse 8 says, that faith then comes obedience. Again, faith is not obedience, and obedience is not faith. In fact, in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1, the Bible says, therefore being justified by obedience. No, that's not what it says. It says, therefore being justified by faith, right? Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're justified by faith, not obedience. And since our obedience struggles at times... If we're relying on our obedience or what we do, watch this, or what we do, a lot of times we get this so confused, we think, well, I'm serving the Lord. I'm singing in the choir. I'm singing in the praise team. I signed up because y'all asked me to sign up for Upward Basketball. I'm helping with Awana. I'm doing big things for Jesus. None of those things speak of your faith. But see, what we do is we confuse it. We think as long as we serve, 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 and we do, 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 then we got it made in the shade. But notice, faith finds peace, watch this, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, period, end of sentence. Right? Faith finds its peace in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to be aware of this. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 23 and following says, but before faith came, we were kept under the law. Shut up into the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after, it says, but after this faith has come, notice, we are no longer, we're no longer under the schoolmaster. For ye are all children of God, watch it, by faith in Christ Jesus. Oh, the law, the law continues to say do, but the gospel of Jesus Christ always says done. When he said it is finished, that's what he meant. It is finished. Another dangerous thought concerning faith and obedience is the buffet meal mentality, which I'm guessing some of you have already started thinking about. Here in Warrington, whether you love it or hate it, we have the Mandarin buffet. And one of the things I love about not just Mandarin buffet or any buffet is that um, I can go up to the line. I know you guys can identify with me. Uh, I go up to the line, and the things that I like on the buffet, I piled it on my plate. And the things that I turn my nose up, I'm like, no. And I go on, right? So you're never going to catch me stopping at the Brussels sprouts. If you're a lover of Brussels sprouts, congratulations, I give them all to you. You're never going to find me stopping at the beets or the turnips. Congratulations. I just love you so much, you can have all you want. But here's the danger of the buffet mentality. Sometimes we select the things that we like, and sometimes we pass by the things we don't like. 
So what we do when, go back to the faith obedience thing, we stroll up to the buffet and we say, oh, I love me some faith, man. Mm. Oh, the amazing grace of God. Mm, I love it. Mm, 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 mm. I love his mercy. I love his forgiveness. I love, mm, I love being justified by faith. Mm. Did you know I'm righteous? You, can you see my crown on my head? Look at me. I love it. I love it. I love it. And then you go down the buffet. Oh, obedience? No, not today. <laughs> not today. I'm headed to the dessert line. We got to be careful not to confuse faith and obedience, not to mix them together, not to treat them as like something that you can pick and choose. What we really ought to understand is that when it comes to faith and obedience, it's more like an apple tree. And guess what? I know some smart, wise guy is going to say, listen, if I want apples, I'll go down to the grocery store. But the reality is the, we, we eat apples, not the tree. We don't eat the tree, we eat the apples. You picking up what I'm laying down? When it comes to faith and obedience, we have to understand there's a clear distinction between the tree and the apple. We eat the apple, not the tree. The apple is formed by the tree. The apple comes from the tree. And to be sure, there are no apples without any tree. So it, in, other than going to the grocery store, if you want an apple, you got to plant an apple tree. If you want obedience... Stay with me. If you want obedience, you got to plant the tree of faith. You got to have the tree, the planted tree of faith first. You'll never obey. You'll never, you'll never walk with God. You'll never want to listen to God. You'll never want to fear God as Noah did before, right? In, in verse number seven, you'll never want to walk in reverence to God. You'll never do these things until you have faith. And Hebrews eleven eight says, "By faith, Abraham." obeyed he obeyed God Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 6 and 7 the Bible says as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord so walk ye in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught abounding therein with thanksgiving as the roots of our faith grow deeper we will be built up we will be stabilized in such a way that we will abound and the fruit of obedience will be the product that grows out of our faith remember faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen that's the tree that's the tree of faith and everything else in chapter 11 that follows are all examples of the fruit that follows faith. It was Martin Luther when he was writing about faith. He wrote these words. He said, yes. Speaking of faith, he said, it's a living, creative, active, and powerful thing, this faith. Faith cannot help doing good works constantly. It doesn't stop to ask if good works ought to be done. But before anyone even asks, it already has done them and continues to do them without ceasing. Listen, as you and I continue to grow in our faith, we will no doubt grow in our obedience. And by the way, I just was, this is just a novel thought, sidebar, not even in my notes. If your faith is not growing, there's a problem. Yesterday, you say, why did that come to me? Because yesterday was my 43rd spiritual birthday. 43 years ago yesterday, I trusted Christ as my Savior. And I had to ask myself, am I still growing? Am I still hungry? Do I still want to learn more from God? And the answer is yes. And so if we're not growing in our faith, then the reality is we've either stagnated or, watch this, 
We like sheep have gone astray and turned everyone to his own way. See, there's a problem when we leave the God we love. But isn't that what the song says? We're prone to leave the God we love. Oh, listen, faith will be growing. And when our faith grows, so will our obedience. Abraham's faith resulted in it. Secondly, Abraham's faith required patience. Look back at verse number 8 because the end of it gives us a clue here. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should, uh, should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, now watch this, and he went out not knowing, there's a King James word for where he went, whither he went. He didn't know where he was going. So when God calls Abraham to a life of faith, watch this, he doesn't tell him all that it would involve. He doesn't tell him all uh, that it would involve or where it would lead. The Bible says that he went out not knowing where he was going. You know, that's the exact same thing for you and me. I had no clue years ago. On September the 16th in 1980, down in Alexandria or Franconia, Virginia, at Calvary Road Baptist Church, I was sitting down in the second pew, right about where you are, Bob, right down there, right? I was sitting down in the second pew, not because that was my choice, but that was because that's where I was told to sit. By the way, I was 13. So if you're 13 and somebody tells you where to sit, just sit down, okay? It's okay. You'll be all right. But I sat there and I thought, I'm a little close to that guy. That guy's up there. He looks about like eight feet tall and he's screaming. I really don't want to be this close to this guy. This guy, I think spit's coming out of his mouth. I really... Uh, you know, I, I need my mask, you know. But you know what? God got a hold of my heart. My life changed. But can I tell you something? I didn't know what my life would look like. You see, for some of you who don't know, my mother had passed away when I was 10. So now my dad is remarried. I have a wonderful mom, by the way. What a wonderful mom. She loves my dad. But I was still a little bit angry. Because how do you get through to a, a, an adolescent boy that God loves him after his mother has passed away? It's a difficult task, I can tell you firsthand. I didn't know what lay in store. God didn't reveal it to me. He didn't say, hey, guess what? This is what's going to be expected. These are the sicknesses. These are the illnesses you will face. This is the life that you will have to go through. This is, this is the ups, the downs, the ins and the outs of your life. He didn't, he didn't say that to me. But I knew that I needed Jesus. And I came forth. Listen, and I trusted Christ with all my heart. Now, was, am I perfect? No. Was Abraham perfect? No. But he walked by faith. And that's what we need to do. God didn't give him a map. He didn't give him a cell phone with GPS to know where he was going. He didn't give him a manual to reveal all the different things that he would face. But through Abraham's example, we can see that faith will require patience even today in 2023 because we have no way of knowing what God has in store for us today or tomorrow. We've all been assigned a race. In fact, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 1 says that we're to run our race. But notice what it says. We're to run our race with what? Patience. 
That old saying, patience is a virtue. Give me a break. I used to pray for patience. And after God gave me a test and a final exam over and over, because I kept on failing the test, I said, okay, God, I'm not going to pray for patience anymore. I'm just going to let you do it. Right? I would pray for patience on Sunday, and then Monday the test would come. And I would say, God, I'm not ready. And he'd say, it's okay, I'm going to give you another test on Wednesday. We're to run with patience the race that is set before us. Abraham had no clue where his journey was going to take him. But he believed and trusted God so much that he obeyed without question. Because you see, that's what faith does. It's been said that the glory of faith is simply to not know. The glory of faith is to simply not know. I don't know, God. What do you want from me? I've given you my life. I've served you. I'm, I'm trying to raise my children. I'm trying to teach them about you. And why do these things keep on happening? The reality is we keep on saying, why, why, why? I put a bunch down. Why do I have to go through this? Lord, what is this happening? Lord, why can't you just remove this thorn from my side? Lord, why does it seem like the wicked are always prospering and I continue to perish? Why, 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 why? Isn't that what we do? When we see things taking place in our world, and I don't understand the whys, but I can tell you this, that if you and I ask why, we're in pretty good company. We're in pretty good company if we ask why. You say, why is that? Pardon the pun. A lot of whys there. Because in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 46, I find that my Lord asked why. While he hung on the cross, while he hung on the cross, he said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why? Hast thou forsaken me? Do you not think Jesus knew what was going on? Oh, he knew exactly what was going on. But in that moment, he says, why are you forsaking me? Why have you turned your back on me? Because he had become sin for us. Hey, by the way, Jesus may have asked why, but Scripture also reveals by not revealing it that the father had no obligation to answer him. Have you ever asked why and felt like you didn't get an answer? You're like, why? And it's like crickets. It's like, oh, sure, God, you, you're real loud and your spirit really impresses upon me all this, 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 and this, and your word's telling me this, this, and this. But now when I cry out, why, where are you? Where are you when I need an answer? Have you ever had that feeling? You ever had that thought? Oh, this is why 2 Corinthians 5, 7 tells us that we're to walk by faith and not by sight. And a faith that believes and trusts God and his plan will need to exercise patience because we don't know everything. We just don't know everything. But as I said last week, from Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6, without faith, it's what? It's impossible to please him. So we're, we're in a predicament. Faith obeys, but sometimes our obedience is so difficult that we're yearning for patience. But here in Scripture, the Bible gives us the example that Abraham, he went out not knowing where he was going. He had patience unto what God was doing. Oh, listen, no matter what takes place in our lives, a patient faith is going to be instrumental to our success 
full journey. Faith also demands patience, not only because we don't know what's going on, because we do not know yet what we have. I think about Paul in, in Romans chapter 1 and then Romans chapter 16. The apostle Paul, he, uh, he talks a, a lot about this, this idea of faith. And, and I'll share that with you in, in a minute. I don't want to jump ahead of myself. But in verse number 9, look at verse number 9 really quickly. Because in verse number 9 of Hebrews chapter 11, notice it says, By faith he sojourned. That's just a big fancy word for the fact that he continued to dwell in the land of promise. Notice that it goes on, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles, i.e., that's tents. That's a big fancy word for tents. He was in a tent city, right? With Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of, uh, with him of the same promise. So living in the land of promise sounds amazing until you realize that you're in a KOA campground for a long time. And you don't have power hookup and you don't have water hookup. Which means you don't have toilet hookup. So let's get over thinking that, man, it must have been amazing to be Abraham. Look at him. He sojourned in the land of promise. Half of us wouldn't make it down the driveway on our way to the land of promise. Also, little fun fact for you. When he gets to the so-called land of promise, the first thing he finds is that it's already occupied. Are, are you kidding me, God? You told me to get up and leave my country. You told me to go to this place, and there's already people that have taken root. They've, they've set up shop here. What are, what are we doing? Is this the land? Is this where you brought us to? Well, if you go back to Stephen's testimony in Acts chapter 7, notice he continues in verse 3 and following. He says this. He talks about how God, what God had said to Abraham. He says, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and come into the land which I'll show thee. In verse 4, then came he out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Sharon. And from thence, when his father was dead, Terah, speaking of Terah, he removed him into this land wherein now you dwell. Remember, Stephen's given testimony here. And in verse 5, notice what he says. And he, speaking of God, gave him, speaking of Abraham, none inheritance in it. He got zilch. He got none inheritance in it. Look, no, not so much as to set his foot on, yet he promised. What? Yet he promised that he would give it to him for a possession and to his seed after him when as yet he had no child. Now, for those who know the rest of the story of Abraham, they know that Abraham only had the promise to live on, not the land or the piece of land itself. It wasn't until 500 years later, plus, after Abraham, after Isaac, after Jacob, after Joseph and his brothers, after 400 years in Egypt, and on and on, after the death of Moses, it wasn't until the time of Joshua that Abraham's descendants actually went into the land. You see, Abraham trusted God. He trusted what God had promised, and he lived by faith in the promise, watch this, alone. He lived by faith in the promise alone. In fact, if you read in Scripture, you'll know that he does not even have a place to bury his wife, Sarah. And you can read all about it in Genesis chapter 23. You take a little journey over there. He literally goes and he buys a piece of property from the Hittites 
so that he can actually have somewhere because he has no possession, he has no property that he owns. And so he goes and he gives money in Genesis chapter 23. He gives money so that he can buy a piece of property to bury his wife. He had all the money in the world, but he had no piece of promised land. So Abraham's life was lived by faith with great patience. He lived, he endured, and in a way he died without ever receiving the thing that God had promised him. But by faith, Abraham knew that one day God would fulfill what he said he would do. One day he knew that God would give him a child. And he knew that one day God would give the land to his descendants. By faith, he journeyed to the land. And by faith, he lived in the land while waiting for the promise to be fulfilled. When Abraham arrived in the promised land, he had to practice patience. Because the fullness of what God had promised was not yet complete. By the way, you and I need to have patience because we still live in a time when we're not free from sin's presence or sin's power. You and I still dwell in a land that is wrought with all kind of wickedness. There's no perfect peace. We are not free from sickness or disease. That's why we need faith to endure. We do not live in a world where the righteousness of God, the justice of God, and the peace of God ultimately reign just yet. Therefore, like Abraham, faith demands our patience. So how can we patiently endure? Let's wrap it up. How can we patiently endure? Well, Scripture actually gives us the answer in verse number 10 of Hebrews chapter 11. It says, hey, you want to have patience? You, you want to obey and have patience like Abraham? Then just do like Abraham did. And look at verse number 10. The Bible says, For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. In other words, Abraham's faith was replete. In other words, it was filled with anticipation. Oh, he had anticipation. He realized that God was not finished yet. Do you know God is not finished yet? Three of you know he's not finished yet. Praise the Lord. Abraham realized that God had something more for him in store. More than just his earlier financial success. More than just the hope of a piece of property. He understood that there was more to the story that God was writing in his life. And verse 10 says that he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 16 actually makes it clear that Abraham and others, they were looking for and they were anticipating a heavenly city. That's what they were looking for. They weren't looking for the promised land here and now. They were looking for, they were anticipating a greater land, a greater promise, a heavenly city. Abraham wasn't trying to build his own city. We get so busy trying to build our own cities, our own kingdoms, our own little, little empire, so to speak, in this world that we forget to exercise faith. We get caught up in building anything that we think that we can build. By the way, I don't build anything, you don't build anything without God's help. But sometimes the devil has a way of tricking us into thinking we do. Because of Abraham's obedient faith, he found patience to endure what came his way. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, he writes this. He said, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I... Watch it, was made for another world. Abraham wasn't perfect. 
But Scripture remembers Abraham. It remembers Abraham because it, it remembers him as having a faith that obeyed and having a faith that patiently endured and having a faith that anticipated what God was ultimately trying to do. He came to faith uh, believing that he had been created to live with and to live for God. Look at verse 13 of Hebrews 11. It reveals that among others, Abraham, he dies in faith. Notice it says, he died in faith not having received the promise, but having, watch, what? He saw them where? Afar off. How far is afar off? It's afar. <laughs> I don't know. How far? It says he died in faith, not having received the promise. Watch this. But he could see the promise. Ask yourself, do you see the promise? Do you see the promise? Because like Abraham, just like Abraham, you and I, are strangers and pilgrims. We're in a strange and foreign land called the United States of America. It seems more strange and more foreign every day. I mean, it's crazy what's going on. But like Abraham, oh, he dwelt in tents. Do you know that you and I dwell in tents too? Did you know that? We're strangers and pilgrims dwelling in a foreign land. We have been promised... An eternity where we will see Jesus face to face. Yes, we'll sing a thousand hallelujahs and on and on. But you and I are just like him. We're strangers and pilgrims and we're living in tents. In fact, Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. He says, we have this earthen treasure. He's talking about the light, the love, and the glory of Jesus Christ reigning inside of us in earthen vessels. You know what he's talking about when he says earthen vessels? He's talking about this frail, this feeble, this faltering, this one day crumbling body. Isn't that good news? <laughs> I can assure you it's coming. All you that are 38 or 39 years old, <laughs> feeling like you're on top of the world. Oh, yeah. You'll soon be, you'll soon be 80, won't they, Herb? <laughs> he says we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Notice he says we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body. In other words, everywhere we go, we're bearing about in this body, this frail, feeble, perishing body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. But here's the good news. If you have faith, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, listen, if you don't know Jesus, I'm begging you today, you need to trust Jesus. He laid down his life for you. He gave his all for you. There's nothing he hasn't done for you or nothing he won't do for you. But here's the reality. If you have faith and you have a relationship in Jesus, oh, thank God for 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 1 because Paul proclaims here, he says, for we know, he says, we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, this tent, 
He's talking about this frail, feeble tent. He says, we know that this earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved. He said, just like Abraham knew. He said, we have a building of God. He said, we have a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Oh, we have a foundation of God, a house not made with hands. Listen, one day I'm going to see Jesus. And I pray you are too. Verse number 16 states, but now, in Hebrews 11, verse 16, it says, but now they desire a better country. Listen, I'm thankful for this country but I'm desirous of a better country. Well, don't get me wrong. I love, man, I love, I love, I love, I love this country that God has blessed us with. But I'm desirous of a better country. Notice it says they desire a better country. That is a heavenly. It's talking about a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Yes, my friends, Jesus said it so well in John chapter 14 and 1. He said, listen, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He continued, he said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Listen, do you desire a better country? Oh, I pray you do. By faith, Abraham obeyed. By faith, He lived with patience. And by faith, he was filled. He was filled with anticipation of what was going to come next. It's important. Don't confuse the two. They're separate. Faith is not obedience and obedience is not faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed. And I beg of you right now, if you have never obeyed the call of God in your life, the word of God and the spirit of God calling you, do it. If, you, if you're like that sheep that has wandered, God is saying it's time to join the foal again. Quit trying to walk in your own power and walk in my power. I pray that you'll do it. Father, we love you. God, we, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for giving your only begotten son, to die for our sins. God, I just pray that your word has gotten through, that it has accomplished exactly what you desire as your word tells us. God, I pray that you will draw us closer to thee, that we will be those who desire to ex exercise our faith in obedience. God, help us to believe what you've revealed and trust what you've promised. God, I pray if there's somebody in this room has never trusted Christ. That right now, here it is. They don't need to know everything. They don't need to know what's going to happen. But right now, by faith, they would take a step of faith and call out upon the name of the Lord. They would just say, Lord, forgive me. I realize I'm a sinner. I need you to forgive me and come into my life. I need to have a relationship with you. I want to exercise faith, but I've never, never taken that step of faith. So, Lord, please forgive me.
come into my life and begin to change me from the inside out. Lord, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for giving up your life for mine. Lord, I pray that you'll give me the strength to bring you honor and glory in the days that follow. By faith that I'll do that. If that's your prayer and that's your desire today, you say, Pastor, I prayed that and I desire more than anything else to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I called out upon the name of the Lord as you were praying and I asked him to forgive me and to come into my life. And I just want to give a testimony of that. Would you just look at me? I won't embarrass you, but would you look at me and say, Pastor, I made that decision today. God bless you. I see you. I see you back there. God bless you. Somebody else. Somebody else. I see you. Anybody else? Say, I trust it. I see you, sir. Somebody else. Say, I trusted Christ today. And I'm so thankful. God bless you. God bless you. Somebody else. Praise the Lord. Let me ask another question. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've struggled with this thing called obedience. Would you pray for me? Would you just look at me? Just look at me. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I see you, buddy. God bless you. Bless your heart. God bless you. Look at me. Say, pray for me that I might be more obedient, that by faith I would obey as Abraham did. God bless you. God bless you. Others, I see you. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, young man, I see you. Bless your heart. God bless you, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Yes. Others. Yes. God bless you. Good to see you today. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? I see you, young lady. Bless your heart. I see you, bro. God bless you. Father, you've seen the hearts of your people. God, I thank you for the ones that have made their profession. They've indicated that they have placed their faith in Jesus. We give you the praise. We give you the glory for that. God, I pray that you would strengthen them that you would give them joy for this journey that we are on, no matter what we have to face. And God, I pray for the ones who, are, who, are, who have indicated their need for strength to exercise obedience by faith, just as Abraham did, and to have patience and to endure and to have that anticipation of what comes next. God, I pray that you'll strengthen us, that you'll do what only you can do. God, we'll be careful to give you the praise for it. As we sing this song of invitation, Lord, I pray that you'll be pleased. I pray that you'll be glorified by all that's done as we open up the altar for people to praise you, for people to pray to you, for people to make decisions for you. Lord, whatever is on their heart, Lord, I pray that you'll receive the glory for it all. For it's in the precious and powerful name of your Son that we pray. And for his sake, amen.